You're listening to the Slow Ride podcast. Likes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. The Slow Ride Podcast. And on Twitter at Slow Ride Pod. Enjoy the ride. Hello and welcome to the 194th episode of the Slow Ride Podcast. This is Tim in lovely Orlando, Florida. Hey, this is Matt in deep, deep snowy Minneapolis. And this is Spencer in Boston, where I guess it's just kind of rainy. Uh, guys, anything anything new? Anything, uh, you know, are the flowers blooming? Like, is it, does it seem like the season has changed where you are? Because it's feeling that way yeah. for me. Yeah. Even though it snowed, which would make you think it's still winter, it just feels like spring, hmm. you know? Well, you know, the sign that spring is here is because the Winter Olympics have finally ended. And so... That's right. I, I heard about that. We need to do a quick Winter Olympics mm, recap yeah. real check quick. Check in with uh, old Puxatani Phil, and he said there's going to be six weeks of uh, Winter Olympics this year, and now that is finally uh, over. Yeah, that's how it works. So let's just get right to it. Real quick, hot take alert, the mass start, long track speed skating thing. Yeah, you pretty dope. Been waiting Better for this. than the points race. Yep. It's fantastic. Go watch it. I don't really understand why there's intermediate points that when you get them and then you can't win the race. But anyways, it's like a scratch race. Dope. Check it out. Second, the super rookie curse is alive and well. Mainly because I have been ragging on John Schuster, the captain of the U.S. curling team, for like the last eight years about how horrible he is. And then he started the Olympics at, like, they were two and four at the start of the Olympics. And I was like, oh, this guy's horrible. He's like the worst curler of all time. Turns out he won the gold medal. Um, So I found myself uh, answering a lot of at mentions in my Twitter and text messages from friends talking about how awesome John Schuster was when he won the gold medal. Yeah. Um, so congratulations to the Duluth Curling Club for winning the gold medal against the evil Swedes mm. in curling. That was pretty awesome. Tim, do you really have that much spare time that I didn't know that, you know, that you have the time to rag on the head of the U.S. curling team for, for, over two, I, for multiple Olympic cycles? Oh, this is it's been three Olympic cycles because for the first two in Sochi and Vancouver, yeah. he was horrible. And he would admit that he was horrible. And then he decided to show up in round six of the tournament. And then he played awesome and it was great to watch. So you're welcome, John Schuster, because I was against you, you won. See, it's the anti curse. Yeah. Okay. Um wow. cool. <laughs> other other quick stories besides the, you know, the classic for doping. We're not even going to get into that, but we are going to get into what was tweeted to us several times. And of course, we're talking about Elizabeth Sweeney, the Hungarian <laughs> freestyle skier who captivated the world and to which many people emailed us, including or tweeted us. Trouble North hits us up and says, hey, this is your fault, Mr. Iceland National Cross Champion <laughs> Podcast. Mm-hmm. She's obviously a listener. And um, I have to admit that uh, at first I really hated it because they totally took advantage of the system. But then Trouble North called us out on how this was our entire strategy to get in the Olympics. And yeah, congratulations, no, it's, Elizabeth it's Sweeney. You win. It's absolutely genius. <laughs> yeah. Like, I love when the rules are so dumb that they can be exploited in such a way. And it's amazing to see somebody do it. I'm, I'm proud of her. Yeah, so basically all she did was go to World Cups around the world and then just finish and didn't crash. And then other people would crash and fail to like get a place. Yeah. So she would end up like 26th out of 30th. And then the top, you had to have a top 30 in the World Cup to go to the Olympics. And there's only like 28 competitors. So she made it. So congratulations yeah. to the burgeoning freestyle ski team of Hungary for making your Olympic debut, Elizabeth Sweeney. Yeah. Pretty awesome. Good stuff. Super yep. awesome. Okay. She's a true hero. Olympics Olympics are over, guys. It was great. We'll see you in four years. Obscure winter sports that make things really exciting because now we must get to what is on everyone's minds. And of course, we're talking about 
the start of road race season with Umloop and KBK. So much to discuss, so many things on our palate. So where do we want to start? Well, uh, I mean, that's kind of what yeah. I was alluding to with this with this feeling of the season changing, you know? Like, I just woke up Saturday morning with a little bit of a different, just a different feel, like a spring in my step, you know what I'm saying? And then I, 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 I turned on the NBC Gold app, and there was no cycle cross, and I... And I popped up the uh, Trek uh, DVD, or not DVD, DVV uh, feed, and, and there was no cross on. And then I realized I had to go back into the dark web to try and find a road race mm-hmm. on the internet. Yep. And, and I found it, and, and I, was, I was filled with joy, and there were cobbles, and then suddenly I was confused because Wout Van Aert was in my screen, and I, I just got all turned around, and I don't know what season it is anymore, guys. Well, Wout Van Aert getting 32nd place at Umloop, which is 16 times 2, so that's twice as good as anybody else at the um, at Umloop. One way to and I, I, realized, I realized something was going on when uh, we got tweeted, uh, uh, Stephen uh, Schilling hit us up, and a couple others of the Inner Ring tweet that was about Terpstra explaining it's so cold that he spreads Vaseline on mm-hmm. his face Oh, yeah, for he was Umloop. covered in Vaseline, man. <laughs> I saw it in the previous yeah. interviews. I, I Listen yeah. to the Slow Ride podcast well, you once. Gotta be, oh, you want to be slippery enough to get off the front in a race like that. Like, there's 200 dudes in the pack. You guys haven't been riding together. You need to get through small gaps that you aren't uh, maybe used to getting through. It just makes it easier. It's like it's like sliding through two pieces of bread. Sure. Right? Yeah. That's what, something <laughs> I do all the time, and I know what you mean. So, yeah, Terpster was in, slathered in the Vaseline, <laughs> looking great. Yep. Um, we have uh, our picks. I picked GVA to take the win. Uh, Spe- uh, little guy, you had uh, Wellens, and yep. Spencer, you had Gilbert. Turned out to be um, a pretty good pick. Yep. Now, in 16th place, I had Oscar Gatto. Mm-hmm. Made and, the front uh, group. And Spencer, you had Vout Van Art, who got 32nd. And little guy, your 16th place was uh, Michael Valgren, so you also failed. Failed pretty uh, so bad. I kind of failed, but I also kind of won. Probably the worst of us, though. <laughs> the furthest away that you could get from 16th would be uh, first. First, yeah, I did it wrong. Well, you know, other than my guy, Wellens, for the win, all our guys uh, made that front group, made that move yep. that almost yep. went to the line but got caught by the um, – the peloton right before the line so it was a it was a good race we actually we actually did some really good picking and and wellens was strong he just him and the whole lotto team thought it was last year so they used (laughs) the strategy they should have used last year uh when it you know it didn't work anymore so yeah they just checked the notes from last year but they looked then they looked super strong all day like uh wellens looked fucking great and all those dudes like just shooting off the front one after just another. like f- way too far out. Like the whole Red Lotto team um, thought the race was twenty k shorter. Yeah, or, I don't know what they're doing. They obviously they Wellens and and your boy Teeth Tim. They've got form. Mm-hmm. They just need to know when to use it. <laughs> but Teeth was looking good out there. Oh, he so, looks you know, so I think strong. It's, he attacks. It's he the build. Put in a huge attack. It was just forty k from the finish, and everybody else waited for the mirror. Um, so. Things I took away. I love the finishing circuit. It's basically the old Tour of Flanders. Flanders. Yeah. Um, a lot of mirror action. It was interesting. And then also I loved um, the fact that Tees Benut was out there. But come on. <laughs> Sepp Van Mark looking oh, awesome. Oh except as it was pointed out, the pink helmet needs to go. They need to go with a black pock because then what? it's going to make what? the pink shoulders pop that no. much more. No. Who said that? Um, Who says no. this? I'll have to find it. No, no, no. But I, no, no, no. I personally I, guys, I, can't wait for Cannondale to be the king of the mountains leader in the Tour de France because I want to see that Super Mario Brothers toad uh, look going on. <laughs> it's going to be incredible. Uh, maybe Michael Woods will give us that, you know? I mean, I just... Uh, Seth Van Mark looked great today. He looks so mm-hmm. strong. He looked good yesterday. He's obviously <laughs> going to be coming on some good form. Yeah, he looked – I mean, that attack he put in, uh, yeah. I mean, he ripped the group apart. He's the one who formed formed that, that lead group that went to the line. He was obviously the strongest guy there. But uh, I think if this had been Flanders, so we had the old Flanders finish. If this had been Flanders mm-hmm. and it was 50K longer, Sepp would have won because he would have ripped him apart and only one or two guys would have gone with him. But because it was so much shorter, it was umloop length. But with the Flanders finish, you had this huge group finishing, which was – 
kind of weird. So now on the um, we know that Vout got thirty second. Uh, V eight coach uh, hits us up on Twitter. Strong ride by Vout Van Art today at Umlop. What did you guys think? So what? I mean, overall, were you guys impressed? Oh, like just kind of God, a, I was so impressed. I was yeah. I was shockingly like. The first time I saw him pop up on camera, he was at the back of the Peloton, like maybe getting a bottle or something. I was like, oh, geez, that's even worse than I thought he was going to do. Like (laughs) just hanging out at the back, like he's going to he's going to take a shortcut and go home. And I saw him like half an hour later, he was still kind of hanging out at the back. But then when they when they were going to the Muir, all of a sudden I saw him near the front and I was like, how did he do that? And then I saw him flying up that thing and I was like, oh, my God, he's doing it. And uh yeah, I'm impressed, and I'm sorry to say, Cyclocross fans, he's gone. We've we've oh, lost totally we've gone. lost him to the road. Oh, if yeah. if you show like that at Hev Oak uh, this early in your road career, well, quick step will come calling. Here's one thing I can think. So most what we've heard for years is that you can't race cross. Like Stybar doesn't race cross anymore because he's only focusing on on the road, right? Mm-hmm. So Stybar didn't do any cross this year, did the perfect build-up to the Classics. Um, mm-hmm. He's right there at the end. He's having a great race. Wow, uh, just as good, if not a better race. I don't know. And 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 he did the complete opposite. So maybe he's the guy that he just races from no. September until... September till till like the end of April. That's it. And then he doesn't yeah. do road. Like he does a backwards road season because like yeah. obviously... Racing a season of cross worked because he's on he's on well, the form just as good if not better than most of the guys the, there. Here's the thing: you know? is is Stebar? Would you call Stebar a Wout Van Art type of cross racer, or would you call him a Matthew Vanderpool type of cross racer? Because I think therein lies the difference. Huh? I don't know. I guess I hadn't really thought about their differences. I think they're fairly similar. I never really thought of Stebar. You think St- of Stebar as a just go to the front and bunny well, hop everybody? I mean, more in that I think Stebar went to win every race. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like he tried hard all season, and Wout like gradually built. Like this was this was strategic in that he wanted so? to win worlds, but he also still wanted to be good for road. You know, he didn't care that he was getting second or third or whatever. I just I don't know if that's I don't know if I buy that because I feel like Wout went into this season being like it's going to be like last year. Me and Vanderpool are going to go back and forth every race, mm-hmm. and we're going to like fifty fifty or like nearabouts in the races. And when he was getting second places, but being like a minute and a half off Vanderpool, I think that's when he decided like I'm resetting, and and I'm going to pull it back a little bit. I think his intent was to go out and win everything. Okay. I don't know. Maybe I don't. Maybe I don't know. I just, I just, I just don't think you ride around in second place. In like he, he basically rode around in second place in in every single Euro cross race. I don't think you do that like holding back. You know. Um, quick question: Stybar and Lars Bach are they sitting there looking at Vout right now, and they're like, "Well, they going to help him out?" Or they get sure what Lars Bach is doing? Okay, whatever. He's been retired for a while. Okay, thanks. Do you think uh, they're going to throw like a frame pump in his wheels? Like, get out of here, young buck, because he's going to be the first cross like superstar to win Paris Roubaix. Or do you think that they're they're welcoming the their new overlord? <laughs> I don't know, man. Boom's got to feel. I don't know what Boom's got to think. I mean, not that Boom's Bo- had Boom's a bad... back on the cross circuit next year. Not that Boom's had a bad career, but it's just it hasn't gone as well as as the advertisements made us believe it was going to go. Right? Yeah, I, I right, still second. think Stebar is going to win Perry Roubaix before Wout does. He's but. he's obviously doing really good, but I mean, I was same with you, Spencer. Blown away with how blown when away. I saw Wout on the mirror following Gilbert's wheel. Yeah, I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. That's this guy's it. legit. I mean, this guy's he's absolutely not, he, he legit. He didn't just show up to this race. And this is only, think about this. I mean, maybe he'll cool off in the next couple of weeks, right? Because maybe his form will go the opposite direction and won't get better as everybody else gets better. But this is his first road race since racing a full season of cyclocross. Like, no yeah. messing around in some local crit. Like, he just jumped in the Whoa. opener of the Belgian calendar and 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 hung with, like, the best of the best. Yeah. Do I need to remind you, little guy, that cyclocross got its start to be a winter training <laughs> well, no, but event that's what for I'm road saying. cyclists I'm... in Belgium. 
No, I, that no, was my best and I'm totally, impression. But I mean, I I kind of hope this Wout thing works out in that a bunch of people, a bunch of roadies, start believing now that rather than only doing training <laughs> camps all winter long, no, that some no, of them are like, not that they no. have to race every cross race, but that they're like, I'm gonna yeah do some training camps, but yeah, I'm gonna show up and do. You know what happened last weeks. time? A uh, Ukrainian national road champion showed up to a cyclocross race. He broke his collarbone, and then he never raced again. I'm so. not talking about podunk little Minnesota races. I'm saying that. <laughs> so currently, we have Wout, obviously, and we've got uh, Venturini, who's on AG2R now, who did a few cross races this year. But like, he's been doing well in you know smaller French races. But he's on good form too, mm-hmm. and was showing up at cross races. Like, I think more guys hopefully will realize that it's not. I just feel like, you know, the world of training goes up and down and like what everyone believes and everyone believed that you only had to like be at altitude and then everyone's like, ah, maybe you need to race more. And then, you know, it's like more. So now in uh, the world of cycling, Umloop, one of the the rare races in Belgium that has the men's and women's um, starting on the same day. So there's the women's Umloop. Um, It goes from Ghent. It's a little bit shorter to Mirbeek. But Christina Seagard, one of Team Virtue cycling over Alexis Ryan, the United States for Kenyan Shram, and Maria Confolinari of Italy. Yeah. So pretty awesome for the women's Umloop. Yep. Getting pretty good coverage. Um, obviously, we want, we want better coverage. Yeah. It's a little bit shorter race yeah. than the men's. Um, I think it's one less lap or two less laps around the mirror, but... You know, let's let's get the coverage out there because they're on the course. So this is a step yeah. in the right direction where they're actually using the course that they already have closed. Yeah, and spectators must love it because they get two races coming by. Right. Yeah. No, it was cool. That race so. looked like it uh, finished in a bunch sprint, which is always exciting. Um, but the you know, I thought the men's race, like the little guy was saying earlier, was interesting to see a group of like ten guys kind of break away because it's bigger yeah. than than that race usually has for a breakaway, but also. Uh, you race usually comes back together, which I guess in the end it it still did, but um, did right at the line basically. Astana yeah. somehow I, now, put themselves into the yeah. quick step position of of the race <laughs> where they had three in, guys out of ten or four guys out no, of ten. How many guys? Three, three. They had Lutsenko, Gatto, and then Valgren who won. And no, Spencer, perfect. Exactly what I was going to talk about next was that. I was watching it, and even before Volgren won, who obviously yeah. I was excited about because he's my 16th pick, <laughs> they were throwing attacks at everybody. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, man, I like Astana this year. Like, they've been racing, it, they've been racing with like a new passion now that they're not devoted to a Rue, it seems. Yeah. And they were like hitting it hard at this race. And I was really enjoying it. And then you get the po- you get the win, and I'm so excited. And then you get the post race interview, and that's where the first that's the first I hear that when they ask Valgren, "Hey, what's up with the fact that you guys don't have any money?" and Vinokurov says the team's in trouble, and I was like, "Oh no, I just started to like Astana." <laughs> like just in the last ten minutes, I was like, "Man, I like the way these guys race. Like they are animating the race, and they took yeah. up this. They took yeah. up the mantle." Like I was worried they were going to get three guys in there and they weren't going to do anything, but they took it well, and they looked around and were like, "We're three dudes. That means we're just going to hit, hit, hit." And right. They did. They did it right. You know what I mean? And and here's what it. here's what any normal cycling fan like you or I or any of our listeners would think if they turned on the channel and saw a break of ten with three Astana guys in it in a sprint classics, he'd be like, "Well, there's eight, nine, ten. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you know they're going to screw it up, and they no. didn't. They they played it exactly right. They played it how Quick Step should play it every year, and <laughs> kind of Quick Step usually sits like third, fourth, fifth in the group just the whole yeah. time, and too active. and tries to play it too casual, and then gets burned. Well, did, did you hear? So did, I don't know if you saw the post race Sporza interview. They did it in English with Falgren, and yeah. one of the first things they said to him was, "We did not expect Stana up there. We expected." quick step <laughs> which was great in in a strange compliment and and also just like a dig at quick step of like we every year it's like quick step messes up the umloop and they were just like i can't believe we're having to interview this freaking guy from astana you guys yeah. we want to be interviewing so you guys you are our team and you messed speak- it up 
Speaking of quick step, besides Umloop being a bad weekend, or let's start to the weekend, on the Friday before, of course, Tom Boonin announces yeah. his new relationship with Red Lotto. <laughs> and I don't know if you guys saw the quote from Patrick Lafere, no. Lefave, the uh, team manager of quick step. You ready? I'm ready. He didn't hide his disappointment when he learned that Boonin joined Lotto Sudal. In an interview, Lefave said he regretted the decision by Boonin. Here's the quote. I wonder what he's going to do there. I hear that he's going to advise them about equipment. But you've been, but if you've been on the bike only three times this year, what type of advice can you give? Lafave <laughs> wondered. If you don't ride your bike regularly at fifty kilometers an hour, then it's impossible to develop gear. Yeah, as a nice what an amazing dig. amount of shade thrown. <laughs> now, supposedly Boonin, you know, was negotiating with Quickstep, and Lotto came on board, and you know, Boonin's been out there doing a lot of car racing, a lot of car driving, trying to get his professional driver's license so he can start uh, racing at events like uh, Rolex 24 in Florida next year. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. That would be amazing. He's, yeah, and I'll be there. Oh, my God. And, um, That'll be a, a weird cycling contingent around this strange, yeah. tall Belgian man's car. Everyone will be like, who cares about that guy? Well, oh. Yeah, everyone's going to be looking at Patrick Dempsey, and I'll be over hanging out with Tom Boonin. Oh, that'd be great. So anyways, that'd be so easy. Yeah. So... This whole thing happens, and then Quick Step, and then you go into KBK expecting Quick Step to yes. just dominate, no. and they didn't. So the, the the Belgian media must be just having a field day with the with Quick Step, the pending demise of Quick Step. I mean, you know, like well, it happens every <laughs> year. They should get used Mutiny to it. Starting. Now. now, Tim, who so won KB- Kern Brussels Kern? Well, that was uh, Dylan Groenwagen. Eh, not Groenwagen. bad. Pretty good. I've been waiting for Gro- that all day. Groenwagen? Groenwagen? That's close enough. We all know. You, you should have uh, stopped after one. From Team uh, Yellow Lotto. Yeah. Uh, takes the win over um, Sprinter Arnaud Demare. <laughs> and uh, my favorite, Sonny Cabrelli, yeah. the new Italian hope of, <laughs> of uh, classics riding. Yeah. So that was yeah, pretty cool weekend. to see. I, did you guys um, feel like... Dylan winning that race, it just sort of, I just sort of knew. It just felt like, yeah, he's going to win it. And I also don't really care much about Curran. So when I pulled up the, the highlights yeah. today, I was yeah. like, oh, there he is. I know George Hincap, he won Kern Brussels Kern one time, Tim, but like, it's still, it's the redheaded stepchild. To, exactly. Like, it's just it like, after no, you watch. It makes up for it with the trophy. You get a stuffed donkey. It is the second Tim, best did prize I win in the bike donkey? racing. Because if I won the donkey, then it would make up for it. But the fact that somebody else just won a stuffed donkey somewhere doesn't make up for the fact that I didn't see a very exciting race after I just had my mind blown by the first bit of Belgian spring right. racing. This, that's why I watched uh, a lot of KBK. That's why Umloop <laughs> is a better race because there's more hype around it. You get, you get, uh, you get that first, that hype first taste. Climbs. Yeah. Yeah. And then you and get then all that you know, stuff. Go do a bike ride on Sunday and it's fine. You can just read the report on uh, <laughs> See, KBK I, because it's basically the same race, but a little bit easier. Now, little guy, you know I did the opposite because I rode 95 miles yesterday, five miles short of a century, but That's, I didn't need it. You save it. And then I watched the highlights <laughs> of Umloop. And then I watched the highlights of Umloop, but I watched KBK today, and I watched a lot of uh, cobble dodging on the sidewalk, yeah, on those bike yeah, paths. Yeah. This is always a, a favorite thing. But um, I put out there that uh, Yellow Lotto won the second best pri- trophy, right? Mm-hmm. Alex Edwards right away hits us up on the Twitter and goes, the first is the Japan Cup trophy, right? Nope. He's wrong because Brandon Conan hit us on Twitter out of nowhere and just hashtag Trident because he knew exactly oh, yeah. what the first, <laughs> the best trophy in all of cycling. And that's right around the corner, Torino Adriatico. That's we will be true. getting to that. But KBK, what stuck out to me, guys, mm-hmm. the flow on Daniel Oss is looking amazing right now. Yeah, he had a good race. He didn't finish, but he had a good race. And uh, he, you know, his weekend was a little subpar because this was going to be the the weekend where he was going to be the leader. Wait, he what? made the move. Wait, what? Wait, but but his okay. His now, finishing. It is clearly clear that you did not okay. watch Umloop the day before. But let me let me go. Let, let me say. So yeah, he made the move, sure, but he still finished in fifty fourth place. Yeah, because right? he got caught, and then he didn't, and he didn't finish a KBK. Again, it's the no results that matter, little guy. No, he it's not. Showed, no, 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 no. He showed he was in the break at KBK. It was awesome, but yeah. you know what? He didn't finish. He got so a mechanical. That's wh- here's the thing. Did he win? That's the no, same thing. The hang thing. on, hang on. That this no, sounds no. suspiciously like what happened to Tim at the Doc Hollywood. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, man. So his results matter too. So Tim is having a pretty bad season, is what I'm hearing. I no, I was super impressed with Oz. Like, and, yeah. and like Oz getting whatever fiftieth at at at, at Umloop and like Wout getting thirty second. Like those guys, they 
they both race to win. Like you gotta be, you gotta be willing to get fiftieth, because they were both betting on the sprint at that race and sprint out of a small group. Like they both played their card, which mm-hmm. was make that move and then sprint out a group of ten, and it didn't happen, so they got fiftieth. But like it could have very easily gone the opposite way, and we could be talking right now about Walt Van Aert and Oss on the podium. You know, now, <laughs> the little guy. Do you think? Speaking of that that break, that sprint, do you think the, all that group played it too casual? Do you think they messed it up? Or do you think that was yeah. the best that they could have done? Do you think they were not going to make it because that group behind was really charging? I played a little too casual. I was a little surprised that, that you ended up at the end there with just after Volgren went that everybody looked around so long at each other. I know it's yeah. tired legs and all that, but like, and then Sepp was the next one to go and he had gone right before Volgren. And it was still like, come on, there's a lot of strong guys in there. I couldn't believe no one was willing to, to take to a chance, but, yeah. but I mean, I guess the, it was maybe just the Astana thing and Sepp's just like a bull. We haven't even talked about the guy who got second. Like what the hell? Who's he? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I looked through his result sheet after the race on, on, on pro cycling stats and he got, he had some decent results two years ago at some smaller midweek Belgian stuff, like three days yeah. to pain or something. But what, who team sky? I don't, so, I don't know. Like, do, uh, I mean, so over, maybe that was besides just the wins. I don't know. Yeah. Who had the like better combined weekend though? Like, so the two that stick out to me, Sonny Cabrelli, right? So yeah. both like an result. eighth and a, an eighth and a third. And then Demera, a ninth and a second. Yeah. Like those are pretty but darn good results, especially for Demera being like the quote unquote sprinter that I was getting at earlier, like the cobbled classics for but, him. But That's the thing awesome. I feel about Umlip, it's kind of like a Spencer saying, like maybe it's hard to know that group. Like maybe it's just the composition of that group and that's why they, they went a little too slow and they didn't make it to the line. But like Sep obviously showed that he's a beast and he ripped that mm-hmm. race apart and there was only a handful of guys that could follow that move, you know? Mm-hmm. And all those other guys, so yeah, like Cabrelli gets eighth, DeMar gets ninth or whatever at Umloop, but like they could not follow that on the hill. So it's hard to see them, if this was Flanders and it was 50K longer, like that front group, those front guys, if this had been a longer race and it was a normal Flanders and it went much longer, they would have ridden. They would have all ridden much longer. Yeah. And I and I feel like they would have pulled that gap out and it wouldn't have come back. Now we had... um Two things that happened over the race weekend. Uh, KBK, first off, I don't know if you guys, if you follow us on the Slow Ride Pod on Twitter, you'd see this tweet, retweet today, that it's great to see all the World Tour teams getting in on the 16th place challenge because Mitchelton Scott, KBK 18 confirmed, 16th place for Matteo Trenton today. Solid weekend of racing for Mitchelton Scott in Belgium. So pretty awesome to see, like, you know, people starting to get on it. And then also we got a shout out or well, we didn't get a shout out, but it's obviously about us, um, would be the, uh, the report out of, uh, Dubai, which we'll get to in a little bit. And that's Alex frame getting 16th on uh, stage three with Trek, uh, Segafredo, given the big shout out to those yep. results. So 16th place, if you're not going to win, go for 16th. It's, uh, it's going to get you all the social media points. If you're, uh, one of those marketing managers. Well, nice. Is there anything else you guys want to add? I mean, there's so much to talk about with racing going on um, before we get into the prem lap. I want to uh, I want to just quickly touch on something that was really troubling uh, to me that I saw during um, Umloop, and and it little guy almost touched on it with the uh, uh, second place there by that sky unknown sky rider. Um, the first time I saw anyone from Sky in the race uh, was was when that guy was kind of making his move uh, to the group, mm-hmm. and. Um, those white sky kits, they're just really, really awful. Like, they're just bad this year. I don't know how I'm going to make it through the road season with them in the, in the with the white jersey and the black shorts. I'm not into it. What am yeah, I going to do, you guys? I don't think it's that bad. I don't know. Oh. Did anybody uh, – who drafted Team Sky? I don't remember. One of us had to. Some, someone with really bad taste, I'm pretty sure. Mm, that's a good bet. Me? No, I, I, it's like I don't know. It's simple enough that it's hard to be. Yeah, see, there we go. Upset with it. Yeah, yeah. Trying to justify it already. And you probably also took the FDJ kit sight unseen. <laughs> oh, I know well. I did. But you know what? The the thing is, until until um, maybe Torino, uh, maybe Torino, but maybe the Giro, we don't have to see any FDJ kit except to Mars, and that's it, that's beautiful. That's full beautiful. red, full red tights. <laughs> yes, and then. And then the white, and then the 
the top is all blue and then the yes. arms. I mean, he so looks. Good. He looks. Can, can we just say, yeah, that and the Belgian national champion uh, Nessun, um, both of them just looking absolutely fantastic. Yeah. So. Oliver Oliver Nason, the Belgian national champ for AG2R, he was one of the very few at Umloop without the tights on, and he was uh, you know was, he was in the break yeah. at the end or in the group, and you're like everyone else is in full tights, and the Belgian knee warmers were out, the glistening legs, mm-hmm. uh, it was fan- fantastic. So, yeah. all right, I, well, I, know, I mean, um, I understand looking at those kits, I think it's clear why uh, Fabio Aru was pissed about his uh, sad <laughs> oh, yeah. sad little Italian jersey. Oh yeah, God yeah. <laughs> Hey, this is Ian Field. Listen to what? Slow ride. All right, once again, we'd like to thank all the supporters of the Wide Angle Podium Network for your long-term support. Head to WideAnglePodium.com to learn how to support the show and our, our family of shows, including how to download the app that is now in the Google Play and iTunes store. So check it out. Once again, head to WideAnglePodium.com to learn more about our family of shows. We'd also like to thank Health IQ for their continued support. You go to healthiq.com slash slow ride to learn how to save money on your life insurance. It's a great uh, program. If you're a healthy individual, they're going to be able to save you some bucks, take some quizzes. You're going to, ooh, boom, another couple percent off. So it's a great program and we'd love their support. And all of the uh, listeners of the show that have gone to healthiq.com slash slow ride. Um, it's really helped us out to keep the show going. So thanks for uh, checking it out. And we've even heard from quite a few people that actually have life insurance now. So uh, yeah. that's pretty cool. Yeah. I feel like we're, we're doing a good thing with that. And, um, yeah, they have a lot of different ways that can help save you money. Um, you can read up on their FAQ page, uh, if you want to know more about how the process works. Um, but yeah, just, I mean, it starts with going to healthiq.com slash slow ride and, uh, just poking around, learn a little bit more. Um, that's all we ask. So. Check it out. Yeah. And then also uh, the very last week of the Enduro sponsorship of the Slow Ride podcast and the Wide Angle Podium Network, mm-hmm. head to endurosport.com. Use the coupon code SLOWRIDE20 if you're a U.S. resident. Uh, that's SLOWRIDE20. You enter it at the end of the checkout process. You're going to save 20% on the entire catalog. Quick shout out to everyone that has uh, supported the podcast by buying on endurosport.com using that coupon code. A uh, quick shout to Matt Watts, who hits us up in North Carolina, says, thanks to the Slow Ride Pod for talking about Endura clothing and, na- and the national mountain bike suite scene, which, of course, is the Nika um, sponsorship that Endura also has. And he bought a pair of, um, looks like, baggy single-track shorts so he can shred the gnar um, in some baggies. So Very use nice. that Slow Ride 20 to save 20% on your next purchase of cycling clothing with road season and mountain bike season right around the corner. Yeah, you too um, could be able to make that last uh, last stage, last ditch attack at the tour of uh, Abu Dhabi, and uh, you know maybe <laughs> steal the win, steal a victory from the uh, clutches of defeat. Oh, guys, I, we have been sitting on it too long. So let's get to uh, some listener emails, um, some listener tweets, and of course our iTunes reviews before we get into the in-depth reporting of training camp season in Abu Dhabi. Hi, this is Dan from Nam, Namibia, not Vietnam, and you are listening to the Slow Ride Podcast. All right, guys, I got to admit, the three fantastic reviews on the podcast. We'd like to thank everyone that's gone to the iTunes store and given us a review. Um, you know, it helps our egos. There, there's, there's nothing else about it, really. I mean, you know, it could help our rankings. We could jump above Fat Bike Radio, but we already are a top five cycling podcast. So, you know, there's really not much higher than we can go. Um, so let's get right to it. Jay Graham hits us up. The only cycling podcast that I actually look forward to. Five stars. <laughs> great companions on my commutes. And George Hincappy, where are you? Missing out on meeting some great fans or some great marketing opportunities at least. Jay Graham, thank you for that review. And this goes hand in hand with the countless questions and tweets that we get about Mr. George Hincappy. So right away, I'm just going to pound a couple of these off real quick. 
Ernie Ernst hits us on Twitter. George Hincapie sighting in Greenville. I asked him when he was going to be on the slow ride. Nice. He waved. So thanks, Ernie. <laughs> That's good. He's That's a listener. Good. That means he's a listener, so like, you know we're we're getting to the point where it's like, you know, he's going to have to be coming on, right? It's like the Illuminati can't tell you they're in the Illuminati. You know, they just make a little signal, and yeah. you know, you know. Jonathan Crane hits us up. He's one of our uh, listeners in lovely Birmingham, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Johnny Crane says, "Hey, I'm going to be grinding the gravel with the gorgeous one, George Hincapie, at Southern Cross next weekend." Look at the 2017 results while I was there. And he finished right behind gorgeous George Hincapie and, and Armstrong and Vandeville. They were all there. So he, of course, asks, what should I say to him when I'm at the start line? I, w- what should he say? I know what he should say. Hello? Hello? Hey, I'm a representative of the Slow Ride Podcast. Can you talk into my phone for me? And you guys do the interview. I don't, I don't know. Get him on the show. <laughs> Just keep asking him. Be like, when are you going to get on the show? And when he starts to talk, just turn and walk away. Yeah. I don't want to hear your excuses. I just, yeah. I just want to get, make yeah. it clear that you need to go, go on the show. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, and, that, and all of this, once again, we got an email from Jeremy Spayford who says, Hey, fellas, I have a story you guys might find interesting. Today, I raced in one of the races of the Hincapi Springs series in Greenville, South Carolina. Nice. It's an early season training race that the Holowesco Citadel team uses for early season tune-up. About halfway through the race, we hit a pretty tough crosswind section. I was in the back of the pack, guttered on the left side of the road. Mm. When I see a Holowesco or Holowesco Citadel jersey moving up the pack on the right side, I couldn't believe that any of these guys would be this far back in the pack. And then I glance over to my seat, over my shoulder to see Big George Hincapie, who wasn't in the race, dragging a bunch of dudes, dudes who also weren't in the race, through the wind in an echelon. So Hincapie is there during a race, but he's not racing. He's he's coming up on the roadway while others are racing on his own echelon, probably trying to just get by, you know, having a good day. Yeah. And Jeremy says, my my first thought was obviously to ask him about his pending slow ride podcast interview. Yes, obviously. Unfortunately, I was suffering. Yeah. He says, unfortunately, I was suffering trying to stay in the wheels, and I didn't know the etiquette for this situation. As I pondered what to do, the situation quickly moved on. There's no more pondering, people. Every time you see George Hincapie, ask him when he's coming on the Slow Ride podcast because it's going to happen, and it will only happen if you keep asking him. Right? I mean, so, yes, you missed an opportunity, Jeremy. We're not going to we, do that much work, probably. Yeah. We appreciate you emailing us, Jeremy. Thank you. And uh, P.S. is the best cycling podcast out there. Good. Keep up the good work. Well, we appreciate that. Back to the reviews. So we got our hincappies out for like the next two months until the 200th episode. Yeah. <clears throat> the tangents you need. This is Brad in Isley, Portland. Five stars. When I tire of mainstream cycling news, I eagerly download the latest in Midwest bike racing I'll never attend, Florida <laughs> group ride etiquette, and keeping up to date on the latest Klein gossip. The only thing better than listening to recaps of races that you haven't been watching is hearing race picks when the start lists haven't been reviewed. Much like that new <laughs> 650B drop bar bike you've been dreaming of, mm. dreaming of you will love this all-rounder pod, in its ability to pace line the tarmac of international racing as well as ramble the single track of cycling's niche cur- cultural topics. So nice. a little shade thrown because we, do, we don't review the start list before we make uh, our picks. Um, Not always. Although I reviewed last week. I actually, it was Spencer. I, 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 I think I just, just, he's throwing shade at Spencer for last that's, week. That's squarely, that's squarely at me, and that's fine. I accept it. <laughs> Normally, I'm on top of things. But like I said, it's road season sort of snuck up on me somehow this year. Yeah. Well, and it's we don't even know if it's uh, continuing. So inex- or, uh, cross season hasn't even finished. It, it, inexplicably great. Five stars from Ed Merritt. For over two years now, I've been meaning to write a review, but have <laughs> yet to find words to describe why this podcast is worth five stars. <laughs> using any evidence based on <laughs> using any evidence based on metric of quality, this podcast would be given a one star. It's just three guys talking about bikes. They don't really provide any information the average cycling fan doesn't already know. Oh. And except for little guy's impressive knowledge of obscure bike parts, yeah, they don't really add much in the technical area arena either. Despite <laughs> Tim's sometimes despite Tim sometimes coming across as the jerk boss trying to keep the meeting on track and not allowing Spencer's jokes the time of day, yeah. the podcast somehow isn't as good or funny when Tim is gone. Hmm. Oh. I have no idea why I listen to this podcast, much less look forward to the release each week. 
They're like friends I've never met, which makes it even more awkward when I'm listening with my headphones and responding aloud to their conversations in an empty room. <laughs> Keep up the great work, guys. Thank you for the great uh, review, Ed. I like that I came out on top. Yeah, I might be the jerk uh, boss keeping this party going. We were kind, of, I mean, kind of out on top. There used to be these weird uh, <laughs> treats I would go get at the, one of the Asian grocery stores on Nicollet that sort of tasted like someone had poured a little sugar on styrofoam. Mm. I really liked them. But I also didn't like him. I think that's what he was kind of saying about you. <laughs> you know, you, you you don't get them for a day or two and you kind of want one. But you're like, then when you're eating it, you're like, why am I eating this? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we, we love getting these reviews. Yeah, Tim, uh, Tim, good has, stuff. And, Tim has always been the uh, the dad of the group, you know, trying to trying to herd the uh, herd the cats yeah. of, <laughs> our, uh, of our group of friends. So. So yeah, the, yeah. the angry boss is, is yeah. similar in in words, oh. but uh, you know, and yeah. always making friends. That, that that that's for sure. I'm the, I'm the acquired taste of the group. Um, that's for sure. So, <laughs> um, um, spe- tweet of the say, week. Well, I was gonna say speaking of six fifty B because you said six fifty B a while back, and I don't know if you guys saw, but uh, Rivendale, the people that brought us six fifty B in America, basically, they're having cash flow flow problems. So they got some sort of weird deal over there now. If you like loan them ten bucks, they'll give you ten bucks and something. I forget. But anyway, if you like wow. Rivendell, that's kind of sad. They 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 do lots of good stuff for the folks who don't want to only race; they want to actually just ride comfortably. So um, they make awesome bikes, and then I always love the Rivendell um, the like the quarterly magazine yeah, yeah. that they would send out. That was always really they cool. They got a good blog if you want to learn some nerdy stuff, and they got lots of all the weird size chain rings. So <laughs> you know, go check it out. Um. Well, thanks for passing that on. And uh, Tweet of the Week goes to our good friend and multi-time Tweet of the Week winner, Ruby Roubaix. Just listen to the Slow Ride podcast with my wife. She especially likes Little Dave. She's been listening to the pod for three years now. <laughs> Little Dave. It's pretty good. <laughs> hey, you know, uh, when I've done cross races and Caitlin's mom has shown up, she calls me Little Man. She screams, go Little Man, go Little Man. Uh. So oh, that, that, that is even better. Yeah. So I, I love that. Hey, Spencer, before we get into um, some training camp news, uh, uh, what did yeah. uh, Peter's uh, – what was Peter's comment on Matthew Vanderpool that uh, you had hit me up <laughs> – excuse me. You had hit me up over the week. What was he uh, saying about uh, Vanderpool? Oh, Rob Peters? Yeah. Well, Rob Peters retired. So yeah. as you do when you retire from a professional sport, you suddenly have the freedom to say Talk whatever's to been on your mind. <laughs> And uh, Rob Peters wasted no time in uh, in just laying into uh, Vanderpool, saying he's bad for the sport of cyclocross. Like he's he's embarrassing all of the other professionals, and uh, that he needs to race in a different way, so uh, so as to be a benefit to the sport of cyclocross rather than a detriment. And uh, it's pretty pretty interesting comments. That what would be the other way? Slower? Well, he's he was like, dude's still gonna win, right? But like maybe don't destroy us by two minutes on lap one. Maybe wait until <sighs> lap seven or eight, you know? I mean Cause he can pull that know. time out within a half a lap. So he's saying start slower. Just hang out with everybody. <laughs> That's you know, uh, make it make weird. it a race for a while. Cause that sounds like me at a group ride. Hey guys, could we just like keep it down, like keep it under a hundred for the first, uh, you know, seventy miles, and then you guys can go a little wild for the last two. Man, you know, I would <laughs> judging from that comment, I would have thought Rob Peters was the oldest cyclocross rider that retired today, but uh, he was the youngest of the of Klaus von Tornout and Page and Wells mm-hmm. and all the guys who retired this year. Um, that is an old man. That is an old man grumble. So. It is remember, when, okay. remember when we used to ride together and ride slower? <laughs> well, yeah. No, it's it's a weird statement. And, you know, you there's obviously the two ways to look at it. It's like, well, he's just washed up and he's sad that he's not fast anymore. And then there's the other way to look at it and be like, well, how, how tough is it going to be for the rest of the Peloton in cyclocross to get sponsorships if they're like yeah the best i could possibly hope for is maybe second but probably third like there is no absolutely no hope of top steps but i I think if so if tim believes that only 
result sheets matter. Like if that's mm-hmm. the, if that's the belief, then you're <laughs> yeah. right. But yeah. I I think when I've watched a lot of cross races this year, you mm-hmm. don't even see Vanderpool a lot because he's ahead of the TV cameras and they just show the battle for like the last step in the podium, which sometimes has four or five guys in it. So you still so, get your TV time. <laughs> the no, thing is, that's how he went out. Rob on this Peters. Uh, I mean, we're always going to remember Rob Peters as the biggest party animal on that Belgian squad. Yeah. at the Louisville foam party. I mean, he came <laughs> to party. He had a like a homemade T-shirt. I think his, yeah, his he, shirt, his jersey was off within the first was, like thirty seconds. <laughs> he was he was a good racer. I'm gonna say he was a, he was a really good racer. He had some good results, but he he is a great partier. Yes, he. He definitely won the party. I don't, so he's a world champion of the and, party. And so Klaus von Tornow retired as well uh, now after the season, and he didn't even come to the party. And granted, he was all sour milk because he just had lost in the last lap, you know, and ended up second to a Sven, horrible fashion, yeah. Um, yeah. By bumping his pedal into the side of the course or whatever he did. But, you know, obviously he was kind of bummed. But, um, and him and Kevin had to cry together about the mechanicals. But... I like Klaus. So, I shouldn't be ragging on Klaus. I really liked him. I was, you know, I'm sad to see him go. I was hoping he'd do another year. But. We have um, also at the end of the pod after the uh, roll the credits, we do have a live oh, report yeah. from Fat Bike National Championships from Cy Gager, a correspondent we sent out there. So check it out. Lots of uh, feedback. A couple minutes of on the ground reporting from Fat Bike Nationals. You're definitely going to want to miss it after the uh, credits. And also, longtime <laughs> listener, longtime listener of the pod. Um, Louisville phone party co co promoter with us, uh, hits us up. Brandon Gavick says, Hey, the other day I was riding and I was in an intersection and I saw a rider doing the left hand arm point upwards to take the right hand turn, uh, turn signal, you know, the left hand signal to turn right signal. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he goes, you know, at what point should we just completely get away with that, um, get rid of that on bikes? Because he said that it just confused everyone in the intersection, like which way <laughs> the guy was going. Yeah. And I don't think I've ever really done that. No. Like, I always just point and go. Well, but the like, problem with just that point is, to the like, right. we used to go on rides, and I would point to the right, and you guys would think we were turning right, but I was just pointing at, like, a cardinal or something. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that was bad. That was bad. So maybe maybe it does have a purpose, you know, because if I had just put my arm up and formed a an inverted L or whatever it is, um, you know, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have thought I so, was pointing at a bird flying right above us. You would have thought we were taking a right hand turn. So what do you guys do? What's the signal that you guys use when you're in a group, right? And you're coming up to a stop sign and you're all slowing down. Like, what do you guys have a signal that you use? Because there's a signal here in Florida that. <clears throat> kind of i don't well, get so there's two there's two that i think are acceptable <clears throat> for for slowing in a group or stopping in a group and one is the the motorcycle style arm down like arm to the side you know left yeah. arm mm-hmm. pointed down yep the other one that that i think is totally acceptable is putting the hand back like on your lower back mm-hmm. uh as Agreed. kind of the palm like stopping i agree so those are the two that i've always expected mm-hmm. what i've been seeing in maybe the southeast, because I saw it up in um, Georgia once I was riding, is the like the spanking of the the butt, like the people are like <laughs> like they start hitting their like cheek, okay, like making this noise, why? Like they're spanking themselves, like that is like oh we're stopping, like they're making noise so you can hear it. I don't know, it's really awkward. No, see that's weird, but I have no, seen that move. That, that really? move to me is if you're in a group of you know going two by two or whatever, and you're. Maybe you're going to overtake a jogger or something who is jogging along the side of the road. You might yeah. do a, a tap of your hip to let people know, hey, there's something on this side, like we're moving over and back, you know? But that's Even the only then, time. I feel like you tap you tap behind you. It's a, you tap the air behind you, I feel like. Wouldn't it like, yeah. well, can't you just yell like, stopping, no brakes? No. And then, that's pretty, no, that's no, pretty th- cat five. It's hard to no. hear. And yeah, nobody wants to hear turning. <laughs> no. <laughs> I can't believe right. we used but, to hear that yelled in races. God, that was insane. So, guys, um, my uh, Instagram was blowing up today because um, Johnny Johnny Hanel hit me up and he's like, "Hey, you guys need to be watching Abu the tour of Abu Dhabi because it's amazing, especially the last five kilometers, especially you guys." Then he sent the link, mm. and it's uh, the awesome fireworks of Alejandro Valverde, <laughs> yep. and and the complete meltdown. 
of um, Dumoulin on the side of the road throwing his bike, all within like five kilometers of each other at Abu Dhabi. You, you love a good bike, this? though, Tim. I didn't see. It was kind of a lame I bike. I just throw. read the uh, I read the report, um, but I didn't I didn't get to see all the action. So it finishes up the giant climb there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was pretty cool. Valverde looked great. So wow. it was a pretty good uh, link. I don't know. He's back know to his still winning training ways, camp. man. He's back to his winning I'm, ways. I know it's no. still training camp, but it's definitely something you want to uh, check out. Did you get to see it, Spencer? No, I did not uh, check that out. I would rank him at least the seventh most valuable cyclist in the world. I mean, he's good. I think he's seventh. I don't know why I'm <laughs> saying that. I don't know why. I just don't know why. Yeah, I'd put him number one. Yeah. Number one. He's, All right, he's what do you... What do you got, Spencer, before I got into Abu Dhabi training camp notes from uh, some of our listeners? Oh, I uh, I signal my uh, right-hand turn with my right hand. Oh, No. <laughs> Thanks for answering. That's weird. I, I pre- I'm happy I listened to your I, answer. I, I thought the only reason that the... I didn't even think it was motorcycles. I thought it was just for people that owned like old Alfa Romeos and and Fiats. That's why well, that signal it can, still it can work. It can work for anything without turn signals on it because that's the arm you can put out the passenger yeah. or the uh, driver's side window, I guess, in a car. But on a motorcycle, that the uh, right and you, hand and you get your moto brakes. So well, works. the right hand is your throttle, so you can't let go <laughs> of that. You know, like otherwise your bike stops moving. So. You can only let go with the uh, with the left hand. So, so you got to do all your signaling with your left arm. But on a bike, you don't have that problem. And all cars and motorcycles have turn signals now. So I th- I think it. I think we should let it go. Uh, I mean, I yeah, probably probably most cars yeah, and stuff too. But at yeah. some point, I'm gonna buy like an MG or something, and I guarantee you, it's not gonna have turn signals. <laughs> well, get, it's probably gonna break down. Yeah, so it's you're not gonna be driving. Be... I guarantee that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Probably that's true. That's true. Someday, man. Ooh, yeah. Well, you know, the, the the season is is well on us. Training camp is over. Classic season is here. Um, you know, I I'm pretty excited. Stephen Schiller hit us up on Twitter. Should we maybe just call this cobble season and not road season right now? And road season starts at Paris Nice, Torino, and I'm like. Yeah, you know, yeah, I personally, I road seasons now, man. They overlap. Like, we're, we're here. Overlap. We're in the middle of it. Yeah, man. That's like dividing uh, the, like stuff. road season and gravel season up. Like they're the same thing. You just grab a road bike, you put a little bit bigger tires on, and you're good to go. There's no reason to segment yeah. this whole thing up. No, it's too. It's there's too much overlap anyway. Um, since we got we got Torino and and, and Paris right around the corner, so. Just, oh, and it's going to be the battle for the Trident. It's going to be good. Up this coming week, next week, I have the Dirty Pecan. It's an 80-mile gravel ride race up in Tallahassee. Oh, wow. Um, so I'll be doing that. And then there's there's a 150-mile edition, 100-mile edition. What's great about this one, like the Doc Hollywood, is it is free. Nice. So that's pretty cool. So uh, we heard, we hopefully encourage all our listeners to get out there. Find those free races. It's a lot more fun when you're riding with people and you're not paying money for it. Um, <laughs> you know? <laughs> And uh, true, little guy, you you have all that snow, so right now you're probably getting into fat bike season uh, still. And Spencer, yep. spring is around the corner. I'm mm-hmm. sure that you've got some lovely rides co- planned to get the the miles and the legs. That is but the plan. You guys, the the, the, the roundabout story here <laughs> is that you guys are so far behind me. I know in training so for Shawamigan that I am looking good. The Shawamigan Fat Tire Festival still has registrations available, so go to. You know, just Google uh, Shawamigan. Nope. Uh, don't worry. G- Google will automatically Google, spell it for you. <laughs> check 40. Yes. Yeah. C H E U Q 40, mm. and then you'll find it, right? C H E Q. Yeah. So, Fat Tire Festival, join us in the great north woods of Wisconsin. They limit the registration to 3,500 people. We know there's a lot of folks coming up from Madison, a ton yeah. from the Twin Cities. I need – if, if you are like a strong uh, mountain bike rider or Cat 1 on the road, anything like that, like UCI registered cross racer, I'm going to need you to shoot me an email as well and just let me know so we can kind of coordinate at the beginning because I, you know, I just want to make sure things go the right way if you know what I'm saying. Anyway, don't tell Tim. You know – I've been I've been sharpening my elbows for that start behind the ATVs. Um, I think that's where I'm going to have to gun it. So the the opening mile and a half, from what I've read, because I've never been up to the Fat Tire Festival, yeah. um, and it was the Berkey Biner this past weekend on yeah. the same trails. So we're talking about the historic trails of Hayward, Wisconsin. 
I'm ready. And I've, I've got Jordan Cullen in my corner, so he's my official coach. Um, oh, so, yeah. He's going he's gonna. to. And he's won, he's won the, the short and fat before, so yeah. he's going to tell so me not, all I need to know. Not quite the same. So, guys, I am, <laughs> I'm ready to go. Okay, I'm putting in yeah. the miles. I'm putting in the efforts. I'm, I'm slim. I'm looking good. I've got the, uh, mm-hmm. you know, got a good head on my shoulders. Uh, things, <laughs> nothing could possibly go wrong. Yeah, your race tactics are nailed. Uh, well, yeah, you are definitely ahead of us, but maybe you're going to burn out. You know, maybe um, so me and Spencer are. We're we're building. We're doing the slow build here. Mm-hmm. There's a long way to go. I'm still doing gym work. I know. I know. Spencer's still trying to negotiate contracts and stuff. It's it's. We're a long way off here too. So, Okay, we're a long way off, but here's a question that got hit us on Twitter, and it was a suggestion from uh, uh, Son of the Dude on Twitter, and he says, new segment suggestion. Who did upgrades to mark opening day? And this is my, you know, we could kind of spurl this over a little bit. What, what's what's like a new what's a new uh, piece of equipment that you guys are going to be bringing up to uh, Schwamigan or something? Like, is there something that you're you got a new saddlebag? Like, I got the new Silka <laughs> saddlebag. The thing's awesome. Okay. I can I don't know if I can fit a 29 inch tube in there because I'm going to be rocking a 29 er mm-hmm. and if my tube list goes bad. But you know, what, do you guys have any new equipment that you haven't even used yet because you guys have only been on Zwift? Oh, um, <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know what bike I'm going to ride at, at Schwamigan. <laughs> so uh, you know and. We need Probably to, ride the client, so yeah, we need know. to find out if we can secure a bike sponsor for this because I I think it, I'm a big advocate of us all three getting the same frame and trying mm-hmm. to build it out in whichever ways our creative minds well uh, I, go. I really like that, <laughs> but I really like that because I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah, pull you guys out of the water. That's what I'm thinking, but well, in some ways, well. But so, do we you know, have an does, update that, for all of the? <laughs> that does take some corporate sponsorship that we do not have at this point. So, any yeah, okay. uh, any CEOs of bike companies or whatever, uh, hit me up. The email well, is but the slow, ride, the slow ride podcast at gmail dot com. So the uh, Alma GP hits us up and he wants to know if we've gotten any more pieces for our Klein, our Klein that we're collectively building. Oh yeah. So if we if we build one piece at a time on this Klein and we actually have it built, who gets to use it at Schwamigan? Um, no, obviously I mean, me. The, the winner. <laughs> oh yeah, the winner so we will race client. for the race for the client. I like I that. Think, That'd be pretty I think cool. That's pretty good. That'd be yeah. super cool. <laughs> Podium right, bike for well. sure. Then, uh, uh, I did want to say since we're we're talking about the corporate sponsorships, perfect segue into the into the growing uh, boycott of of Vista Outdoors. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's a perfect thing. Um, yeah, that thing seems to be uh, picking up a little bit of steam. Uh, um, I was talking to a, a friend of mine that was like, oh, I don't know if, you know, regular people are going to pick it up. I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like if, if hardcore cyclists just yeah. start, stop buying Bell Giro, like that could have an impact. I think so. I mean, I don't need their, their crap. So yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But no, I mean, yeah, if you go to the Vista Outdoors page, I went to Vista Outdoors webpage earlier today. It, their cycling holdings are small. Their ammo holdings and gun holdings are huge. See? I guess I, I was surprised that it took people that long to realize that Vista Outdoors owned Bell Giro. Like it was, well, I mean, that I just like don't think just people big... think about it, you know? Well, but one of the things I was thinking about this today and, and, and I totally agree with the boycott, but at the same time, it's really hard to have anything cycling related and not have it some way linked to some sort of uh, military industry. Cause so much it's you either got really fancy carbon fiber which yep. is mostly being made for the military and then bikes buy a small portion or you have aluminum and steel, which have also traditionally been mm-hmm. for the military. Like it's, it's really hard to go. If you go through your bike stuff and want to be like as good as possible, you're going to have trouble. It's well, and and all of our heroes are practically just going to paramilitary training camp during well, the yeah, off season CSC, every year. Your CSC you know, it's like, plans, yeah. like, Oh, Everyone's in the camo again. Just go into never you like know. that. That and all the like war metaphors that sports has to bring out. But but well, I mean, you don't like you don't like teams going into the foxhole together and, no, and having. I, the, I hate that crap. And when they say yeah. stuff like that, it's just it's so it's so offensive. <laughs> it's it's yeah. But I, but I, I don't I don't know if I find it offensive. I find it more hilarious that a bunch of nerdy cyclists that you know probably couldn't even bench press their own body weight <laughs> like are getting compared to 
soldiers in the military like <laughs> like complete opposite well it's but it's just like it happens through all sports this you know sports and war metaphor so yeah i don't know it's good. Yeah. but but yeah I, so uh, thinking about the vista thing i was like man i i, I want to support it but it's hard it's hard to disentangle the whole world just because it, it is an industry Though it seems like Shimano yeah. might only make fishing reels and bike parts, so I think we're safe. <laughs> that's, that, I was that's trying. The big... I looked at their thing today. and was like, man, somewhere in here, it's going to be some terrible, like murderous weapon. But it seems like it's just the... fishing poles. It's good. <laughs> the, the, hopefully, the... hopefully, Campy didn't make like ceramic bearings uh, for tank I am wheels sh- or something. I mean, I, just so say, I didn't I go into Campy, Campy website. I went on the Campy website. I saw disc brakes, and I was like, "Wow, that's just a crime against humanity." Yeah. And I just pressed uh, but <laughs> we, the we, box. We've been through Campy making parts for the auto industry. I, I find it hard to believe, and I don't know if this is true, but like someone from Campy, come on our podcast and tell us. But are you also making you know <laughs> bits for the Italian military or like you know someone else? Like, are you just maybe maybe like bits the of guns? belt buckles or something? You know, like they might be doing so, that. Uh, yeah. Do you think uh, you think Rotor makes anything else? <laughs> I don't know. Can I just say, like, so I, I've looked at a bunch of pictures on the Rotor Group. I know we talked about it last week. Go back to the last week's episode if you want to listen to Spencer's big, long-term, in-depth review of the Rotor Group. Mm-hmm. The shifters totally. are ugly. The uh, graphic on the side, it's too much like SRAM, like where it just says Rotor down the side. I'm just going to throw that out there. It's just There's too much graphics on it, right. in my opinion. Yeah. So. I, I mean, personally, you guys know that I don't – I would rather have all components be be polished – and, yes. and glistening and and campy as of 1992 or Sun Tour in that same era, aesthetic wise, and it doesn't really fit that. But it is very uh, mid early 90s mountain bike homemade looking, and that I love. <laughs> it's yeah. it's obviously very CNC machined and so, super light and goofy, and I love that look. That looks Here's, like a couple like bike nerds went into a garage and found a bunch of CNC machines and a bunch of blocks of aluminum. No, and we're like, let's do look. this. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. the parts, not the graphics. No, is I what know. I was no, and well, I, I'm agreeing with you. I'm saying I don't really like the graphics much, but I like the the physical aesthetic. Of so it. here's the thing: if you were to build, say, a drop bar mountain bike for yeah. Schwamigan, and someone from the Rotor Group were to send you a Rotor Group kit, would yeah, you? Would you race it on that bike? Oh, totally! I would love that. That would be awesome. I mean, that would be no. I don't dream mountain bike. I don't know that anyone from Rotor listens to this show. So <laughs> I, I, I don't want to get your hopes up. I was oh. just uh, so you're asking not, the question. I was expecting way. Spencer yeah. to reach below the desk he's sitting at right now because pull, guess pull what? Out a Rotor group. Guess what? No. And no. here's the worst part, little guy. It's going on my bike, no. not yours. <laughs> that would be so. That would have been a really may, good joke. So it seems like we're doing really well with getting George Hincapie to show up on the show because, like, our listeners have been doing such a great job Nailed that it. he's obviously come on. So I think the next thing, just start, just start hitting up Rotor nonstop. Like, you guys need to get a review on. Oh on yeah, long term review. I will build up a drop bar mountain bike and and ride the hell out of that thing. I will race it at multiple Buck Hills. Um, there's going to be a race, a Minnesota Series race at Worth this year. You guys know that at Worth? That's crazy. Um, that is crazy. I'm going to race it there and I'll race it at Schwam again and maybe something else. I don't know. It'll be cool. Well, and I'll, oh, great. I'll do a super in-depth review. And it'll be great. Well, with uh, with that, make sure you stick around to after the uh, credits to listen to Cy Gager's reports from Fat Bike Nationals. Yeah, it's going to blow and, your mind, um, people. We want to thank you all. For tuning in means a lot to us. Thanks to BK1 of Rhymesters Entertainment for the use of the track Tama Du Cannibal off the album Radio Du Cannibal and for the intro and outro music. And thanks for tweeting us at the Slow Ride Pod and emailing us your questions at the Slow Ride Podcast at gmail.com. Quick shout out to healthiq.com slash slow ride where you can save money on your life insurance. Yep. And to endurasport.com, use the coupon code wideangle20 through the end of February. For U.S.-based listeners to save 20%, that's coupon code WIDEANGLE20. And if you haven't already, please click subscribe on Apple Podcasts and give us a review. This is Tim in Orlando. Matt, Minneapolis. This has been Spencer in Boston. Uh, We'll see you guys on the Greenway. The Slow Ride Podcast. Bikes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. TheSlowRidePodcast.com and on Twitter at TheSlowRidePod.
This is uh, Slow Ride Pod guest reporter Cy Gager uh, reporting here live at the 2018 USA Cycling Fat Bike National Championships uh, at Cannonsburg Ski Hill uh, just outside of Grand Rapids. Uh, got about 53 minutes until race time, and uh, looking at the parking lot, it looks like uh, kind of a Wednesday night Buck Hill race um, with like maybe a third of the people so far. Uh, I'm going to try to catch some some good uh, hot takes with, with some of the competitors uh, here today, and uh, and yeah, so so signing off uh, at the national championships, Cy Gager. This is Cy Gager uh, following up with the post-Fat Bike Nationals race report. Uh, I wandered around the venue a little bit today and uh, engaged in a little bit of the cyclocross handshake, uh, feeling up some tires. And it appears that everybody pretty much, I think, was between about zero and one bar. Uh, and so there wasn't a lot of variation with that. Some people had uh, metal spikes sticking out of their tires. Other people just had just monstrous, monstrous tires. Uh, there were a lot of aero helmets. Uh, and then, you know, just a few people wearing wearing ski goggles. Uh, and so I was a little confused as if this was actually like a time trial or some sort of like biathlon uh, or if there was a half pipe uh, p- part of the course feature since it was at a ski hill. Uh, turns out no, no half pipe. Uh, I was disappointed. Uh, there was also no anti-doping present from USA Cycling, and so we we won't unfortunately know if there were any nose breathers. Uh, but you can take a look maybe at the lap times and the uh, final results and, and judge for yourself what you think there. Uh, I also heard that there were going to be some Masters racing going on, uh, but I didn't see any titanium bicycles. And so I don't know if it's like, you know, true Masters racing or if this is just some, you know, variation of Masters racing that you do for for fat bikes. Um, there were a total of 14 uh, professionals in the men's and women's field. Uh, so I didn't stay to watch that and left. Uh, it does sound like there is going to be a fat bike Nats in 2019. So if you're into that, um, I, I feel bad. Uh, I also, uh, one was really excited that, uh, I, I thought I was going to have the opportunity to talk with the race announcer, uh, Frankie Andreu, uh, you know, finisher of 14 consecutive tours to France. Um, I had a couple questions prepared for him, um, but didn't have an opportunity to talk with him. So I don't know if he and George Hincapie ever rode fat bikes together, um, or, uh, you know, how similar, like Tour de France's are to Fat Bike Nationals. Uh, I was able to talk with one of the four single speed uh, racers. It turns out they did pay an entry fee, and so uh, it is not free to rock the one cog, um, which I was a little bit disappointed in. But um, they did get a water bottle for their for their race entry, um, so that's good. Uh, and I also heard a lot of of like cyclocross terminology. Um, a lot of people saying things like "you have to commit to the rut." Yeah, this is Cy Gager, and I I think that's really all I have. So back to your regularly scheduled news and rumors and hot takes.